Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. Chris, how you doing, bud? Very good. Uh, another choice of mine that I am super excited to talk about, and, and maybe even more so that now that I've gotten to listen to it uh, once or twice this week for the first time in, in probably a good while, I would say. Yeah, going back to Hammerfall's Legacy of Kings from September of 1998. And this one really takes me back to uh, our childhood. But before we get there, I wanted to mention a couple of other things I heard this week that I really thought uh, that people should know about. The first album is called Heart, Mind, and Soul. And it's by a band called Hardline. They're like a melodic hard rock act from, uh, well, really from California. And they've been around forever. They've been around since the early 90s. Their most current uh, incarnation, if you will, um, features longtime vocalist Johnny Gioelli uh, of Axel Rudy Pell fame and Alessandro Del Vecchio, who's basically like the man behind Frontiers. He has his hands in virtually every album that, that comes out for the label, uh, amongst some other musicians as well. Really, really well done um, melodic hard rock. I've been a fan of theirs for a long time. Um, I think you'd enjoy it as well. It's just kind of like easy listening. It's not nothing too uh, over the top, but I'm a sucker for Johnny Jelly's vocals. So whenever I hear that there's a new Hardline album, I make sure and check it out. Are you familiar with them? I've heard of them. I, I don't know much about them. I just I know that they've been around a while, but um, that's kind of my the extent of my knowledge. Yeah, I'll, I might I'll know, I might know a week. song or two. I'll post something during the week. Um, something else which came out, which is really, really interesting. Um, the Norwegian band Enslaved, and I, I had mentioned them at my uh, during the top uh, top albums of last year, just because I, they, they've been releasing some real great material the last couple of years. They released the four live album slash DVD uh, set from four different shows that they did during the pandemic at different times uh, in 2020. And there's a lot of material here. I've not had a chance to listen to all of it, but it's it really just spans their entire career. I know one of the sets was a fans pick the set list. Another one featured, uh, you know, basically the, the new album, Utgard, and tracks off of that and, and some other uh, older material as well. Really good stuff, and I think it's worth a listen if you're a fan of if the fan of the band Enslaved. And the third thing, I actually have to thank you for because I've been listening to the new Daniel Tidwell album like crazy. Um, they, you want to tell them a little bit about what happened with this album and this whole 52 track uh, anthology that that he released? Yeah, so he did a, um, a Kickstarter, uh, GoFundMe crowd. Uh, what do you call it? I was going to say crowd pleaser, which it, it, ended it, it up is, being, does but, please. Uh, it does. Yeah. Uh, what do you call it? Crowd, uh, crowdfunding. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. But, um, he did a thing where he, um, he would, uh, release one song per week for an entire year, uh, for a total of 52 tracks. And, uh, it alternated between, I believe, uh, video game covers, TV and, and movie themes. And then, um, I think there was some of the higher tier uh, cho- options allowed some of the people to choose a song. So um, 
you know, he he really ran the gamut on stuff from like a cover of the Animals House of the Rising Sun to some cool video game covers that um he hadn't been hadn't released yet. And he's mostly known he he got a start as a um doing these instrumental kind of power metal stylings of, of game soundtracks, which eventually would uh expand into you know movie soundtracks and and tv themes and things like that that's kind of his milieu and you can find tons of uh videos on youtube of him doing his thing but uh yeah so he just released a song per day for or per week for 52 weeks and um it ended uh a little bit earlier this year so now all of the tracks are now compiled but um it's yeah, it's good stuff. Um, yeah, and, and to your point, it runs the gamut, and I want to thank you for bringing this to my attention because I loved it. One particular track, I could not believe what I was hearing. The The last track, and I, I don't know if you released them in order on the disc or if you just kind of threw everything together, but the last track on the first disc is a, is a track called Walk, Don't Run. It's a track by the instrumental surf rock band The Ventures, who my dad is a, just a huge, huge fan of. He grew up listening to these guys and I actually saw them in concert in New York City probably about 10 years ago with my dad. It's a night I'll never forget. And this was their big song. I couldn't believe that they would, that he chose this surf rock cover, which, I mean, they have a bit of a cult following. They're absolutely huge in Japan. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's really for a generation that's, uh, you know, the generation of yesteryear. It's, it's, I was so surprised that he picked this cover. It's got to be from like 1964 or something like that. It might be even earlier. I'm not sure, but from the early sixties. And I couldn't believe that he, that I heard a cover of this by, by an artist who I was just, I knew from the video game covers. So job well done, Chris. I want to thank you for that. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, uh, the thanks should go to Daniel. He's uh super talented. I love, I think you were the one who introduced me to him in the first place. So, uh, I guess everything comes full circle. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember when his first album came out, and I really enjoyed that. And like I said, that was strictly video game covers. This he's really expanding the scope of of his uh, of his releases. So kudos to that. I'll be looking out for more music from him. But let's get to the reason why we're here, which is uh, obviously your choice. Like you said, Hammerfall's um, Legacy of Kings, and and this I have such fond memories of for for so many different reasons. But first, why don't we talk about why you chose this and um, how you first heard of the band? Um, I, I the first time I ever heard Hammerfall was when we were in New York City to see Halloween. I think we talked. I'm fairly certain we talked about this at some point um, when we were uh, teenagers. We uh, hel- we went to see Halloween play a one off show in New York City at, at the end of 1998, and um, and I just remember. Before they went on stage, they were uh, piping Hammerfall through the the loudspeaker um, in the venue, and I I don't think any of us were familiar at the time, and so we asked you know a mutual friend who is this, and he was like, oh, this is Hammerfall, they're awesome, and and so this album probably had just come out a couple of months prior, which so I'm guessing that they were just playing this album, but I just remember really liking it and. Then I just remember we would we ended up going on like this mad search for Hammerfall albums, going to like Tower Records, and um, and it was I think their first two albums were released domestically. So um, it just I just remember going to Tower Records and like I'm like I'm gonna get a Hammerfall album. And the only thing they had was the single for Glory to the Brave, so I bought the <laughs> single to Glory to the Brave, and that was 
at, for a short time, the only Hammerfall thing that I owned. Um, but I would eventually, I think the next thing I ended up getting was this album. And, um, so it was my first full length Hammerfall album. And, um, I think it's still my favorite Hammerfall album. And, uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about why, but, um, that was my, uh, experience. And the fact that we hadn't talked about Hammerfall and the fact that it's my favorite album of theirs just seemed like, uh, an appropriate choice. Um, I, I'm guessing your story would be fairly similar since you were there. Yeah, and, but I want to shed some light on that. That that Halloween show was at a little club in the East Village called Coney Island High. I mean, the place was probably not much bigger than my living room, which made that particular show very memorable. But the reason they played the Hammerfall disc was because the Halloween show was in December. It was December 20th, 1998. One month prior, November 14th, 1998, Hammerfall, believe it or not, played that same club. They did a small U.S. run of shows opening for the band Death. It is the weirdest pairing of bands I think I've ever heard of, um, especially having gone back and listened to a lot of that Death material from you know the, the early and mid-90s. But nonetheless, Death headlining Hammerfall opening and so Hammerfall had played the club one month prior and I guess they threw the CD on because they probably you know that's that was the new album it had only come out a month or two prior um and that was kind of the connection between Hammerfall and that show I don't think it was Halloween's choice I think it was just the house music from the band that had been there the month before yep and lucky us I mean not that we weren't gonna you know find out about Hammerfall eventually but I mean that was pretty much the the seed being planted um, in all yeah. of our heads, especially yours and mine. I remember the both of us were like excited about finding an album of theirs um, and we would. Yeah. And then, so uh, to your point that I remember that glory to the brave single, which is obviously a single from their first full length release. And then getting my hands on, I, I don't remember exactly how I picked up legacy of Kings, but if you like Glory to the Brave, I think that it was fair to say you were going to love Legacy of Kings because they really just take, I mean, to me, they just took off like a rocket ship with this particular album. Um, by the way, um, if you could get your hands on that single, there is a really, really awesome cover of Storm Witch's Raven Lord. Um, I, it's one of my favorite Hammerfall tracks, this cover. Um, Hammerfall, and we're going to talk about this, uh, Hammerfall has done so many covers over the years that they actually released an album of all of them compiled because they've done so many, but this would be one of the first as along with child of the damned, which was a warlord song. Um, but yeah, this was, I, I just remember thinking like, all right, glory to the brave. It's, it's a, it's a, a power ballad, but so that they, threw this little track on here as a bonus on this single. And I was like, this is a kick-ass song. I listened to it again this week and I'm like, man, what a great song. I, I remember, hearing somewhere that the band thought it was a ter like a terrible cover like that they didn't do a good job with the cover but i i i might be wrong i might be misquoting that but i think it's a really awesome cover cool song i'm not really very familiar with storm witch but that is that's that song is really good and hammerfall does a a really awesome job covering it so um and i'm sure I also we'll get yeah, I think it appears also as a bonus track on some versions of the Glory of the Brave, the full album. So, um, but yeah, that's, I just thought I should mention that since we were talking about that single, that was something that 
stuck out to me. Yeah, they they they've done some great great covers to your point and and I'm sure we're going to talk about one of them very very soon because one of them appears on this album. Uh and I'm curious to know if you knew it was a cover when you first heard it, but we'll get there. Um as I said, September of uh, 1998 this album is released. The regular edition has 10 tracks, it clocks in at just over 45 minutes and um Let's get into it. Heating the call. What what an album opener. I mean, if you if you if you didn't know what the band was about, you knew very very quickly what this was going to be. Fast, catchy chorus, and these over the top vocals that just uh, were different. Right? I mean, you, there were obviously guys that sang in a much higher register. Michael Kisk and, and others come to mind, but this guy just he hangs out there the entire time, and he and he does a fantastic job. And I thought it was cool how the song just, the whole album starts with this like drum solo, which you don't usually hear an album starting with a drum solo. Yeah, this it's such a great song to open with. And, and yeah, I was going to mention just how it starts out with that, the drums kicking in and uh, the, um, the band is, um, I believe there's three members um, still with the band or maybe no, no, Magnus Rosen left the band as well. So really it's just, uh, um, Jokum, the lead singer, Jokum Kans and, uh, Oscar Dronjak, the, uh, guitar, the rhythm guitar player are the, um, the only members of Hammerfall that are still in Hammerfall that were on this album. Um, it would be, uh, Patrick, uh, Raffling, I believe was the, uh, drummer at the times, but I mean, it was, I feel like that the intro, the drum intro to the song is, is like such a, has become such a like iconic sound for Hammerfall. So um, this is one of the songs that always stuck out to me um, of a lot of songs that are on this album that stung out to me. But this was like, to me, along with like a, a along with stronger than all were very like um, the very like fast, um, almost like kind of has like a marching kind of beat to it. But just that, I think that's what defined that classic Hammerfall sound for me uh, when I was first starting to listen to the band. Yeah, I, I want to talk about Stronger Than All because to me, I think it's the most underrated track on the album. But before we get there, I just want to, one other note about this track. The backing vocals kind of remind me of that like Halloween power type of thing where they just want the crowd to sing along. It's such a good live track. And I think that the band is to this day one of my favorite bands to see live even though I by by admission I don't listen to them much at all on disc anymore I don't listen to the albums that much but when I do listen to them I go back to this album because to me this was really just their, their best work and uh, we'll touch upon some of the later discs later on but for now I'll just say that it's it's the perfect introductory song it was I'm, I'm glad that it was kind of the first real uh you know taste that we got at that Halloween show and then after, you know, heating the call, it goes into the title track, which is another killer tune. Uh, similar speed, um, just a great riff, as simple as it is, but it just kind of sets the foundation for the rest of the song, in my opinion. I love this song so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it's it's another, to me, just like absolute classic Hammerfall song. A little bit different from uh, the opening track, Heating the Call. Um this one kind of uh, opens up with the guitar, like a, a guitar solo. And um, this one, I guess, mo maybe more so than the two that I'd mentioned before, maybe has more of that kind of gallop to it, um, which it, it's maybe, I don't know if I want to call it 
like a mid tempo song. It's probably a little bit faster than mid tempo, but um, it's just another banging song. Um, yeah, they just off the bat, just two really strong offerings on this album. Yeah, and very reminiscent, at least to my ears, of Halloween's like Master of the Rings. I felt like this song could have been on that, but for the lyrical themes. And right away, as you're listening to this, you know, it's very fantasy driven, uh, battle driven, you know, like other bands uh, of, of that kind of ilk. Not my cup of tea. I, I don't really relate to the lyrics so much. Um, but at the same time, the music is just so damn catchy that you find yourself like singing it for days on end after you listen to a song like this. Yeah, I remember this was one of the songs I think that ended up on one of the mixtapes that I made back in the day, just because I thought it was such a, just a strong overall song. Just a really big fan of this song. It's one of my, one of my favorites on the album. Yeah, it's uh, no, no question about that. And then I think it provides a quite a contrast to the next track, which is Let the Hammer Fall. I used to love this track when I was a kid. Now, don't love it as much. There are parts of the song I love, and then there's one or two parts that I just am not, I don't care for. It gives off that Manowar Virgin Steel cheese factor, but it still somehow makes it great. But I, I'll, I'll, I'll couch it by saying this. It's the perfect song to, ha- to listen to after you've had a couple of beers, because once you're not really thinking so much about it, it's awesome. Uh, fantastic riff throughout, uh, again, I, I, and, and it's, to me, it's just the fact that the choruses leave something to be desired. Yeah, this is never one of my favorite songs um, from this album. And it's kind of funny, too, because I, I like to kind of compare it to the song Hammerfall from their debut album, which I think is a, a better, like a much better song, honestly. I will say this is a fun song to hear in a live setting, um, just because the whole crowd is chanting, let the hammer fall, which is cool. But um, it's to me, it's one of the weaker songs on this album. Um, maybe... Possibly my least favorite song on the album, if believe it or not. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's, it's kind of a, I think it's kind of a, a, a regular song for their on their set list, but because maybe just because it says Hammerfall in it, but I mean <laughs> the 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 whole let the Hammerfall things like it's just kind of cheesy. I don't know, and 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 I'm one who's fine with cheese, but um, I don't know. It just doesn't do a lot for me. It's not a bad song by any means. Great guitar solo, though. I'll yeah, say that. Yeah, it's Great not my. It's solo. not. It's definitely, it's if it's not my least favorite song on the album, it's it's definitely towards the the bottom. I I agree with that, but like I was saying, great guitar solo. It has its parts, but the chorus, eh, I'll pass. But what I won't pass on is Dreamland, the next track. This for the longest time was my favorite favorite track on the disc. I think I've actually moved on to something else, which will eventually be my song of the week. We'll get there, but this track is just an iconic riff to start the song. Um, You want to talk about that power metal gallop that you were mentioning earlier. Dreamland has that gallop to me. It's the best chorus on the album. And it actually is very reminiscent of like that early freedom call sound, which I love that stairway to fairyland from freedom call type of sound, which is not surprising because it came out at around the same time. I love this track. If, 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 if it's not the best track, it's probably in the top two. Yeah, this is another fantastic song. I, I I just don't know that I'm gonna have too much detail uh, on the rest of the the songs that aren't power ballads, just because to me, like they're all just really strong power. Like this is to me, this is power metal at its absolute finest, just from start to finish. Um, I mean, it's just incredible. Like 
I kept waiting for this band to come out with another album that was on par with this. And to this day, I feel like they just have not been able to match this. I, I, I think now is as good a time as any before we start talking about the second half of the disc. My biggest problem with this band is that I heard Glory to the Brave. I liked it a lot. I heard this album. I loved it. And it's been downhill for them since then. Again, in a live setting, I enjoy them a lot. But as I kind of have listened to all of their albums over time, Renegade would come out two years later. It never really clicked for me. Crimson Thunder had certain songs on it that I enjoyed, but I didn't love that album either. And since then, I've listened to all of their albums probably two or three times each and nothing, and I mean nothing, resonates like Legacy of Kings. And and it's a little bit sad because, again, there's not that they don't have some decent songs or even some very good songs scattered throughout, but they don't have that complete package. This is this is the this is the total package, right? This this is this is the disc where every song is at a minimum good. Other albums, I, I don't really feel that way, and I, I just I'm waiting, and I keep hoping for Legacy of Kings Part Two, and I, it just hasn't come yet. Yeah, I, to me, like I, I agree with what you're saying in that there's a t- there's a ton of Hammerfall songs that I love that are on all of their albums after this, but I just feel like no full album is is near this consistent. I, I was disappointed with Renegade when it came out, which was the uh, the the follow up to this, and and you know I, there were songs like Living in Victory and Way of the Warrior and Destined for Glory that I that I liked quite a bit, but I mean I just didn't feel like every song was just every song is like an all-star as the MLB all-star game is going on right now. Like every, every song on this album is an all-star. Like it's an all-star album. It's a greatest hits album, but it's all one album. Like that's, yeah. that's know, how we, strongly I feel about this. We, so, we need yeah. to go back and pick a random hammerfall album from later on in the discography and, and do a deep dive into that. Because maybe if I gave it more of a listen or more of a chance, it would resonate more. But I just have such fond memories of this particular album, not least of which is, is are the two songs that are coming up. Remember Yesterday is the first of two ballads on this disc. It's the quintessential power metal power ballad. And quite frankly, I think it's probably needed at this point because after four bangers, I think it was time to uh, time to change it up a little bit. And it's a little bit repetitive in spots, but I got to be honest with you. After I listen to it, it's the first time where I'm like, pass me my sword, pass me my shield, give me my armor, I'm going into battle, right? And and I have to say, um, Khan's vocals on this particular track, unbeatable. Yeah, um, I always really, really like this song. And I've mentioned in the past that when I was in high school, I was really drawn towards power ballads for whatever reason. And this was one I remember liking a lot. Uh, I think this was another one that made it on. It's one of the the vaunted mixtapes, but um, I still think this song holds up. I think it's a fantastic. I think both power ballads on this album are great. I think this one might edge out the fallen one. Um, I would agree as as an agree. overall better song, but um, I, I think that for a, an album with only ten songs, two of which, you know, a fifth of the album are power ballads, I think they really do a, a, a damn good job, and you don't feel like. The, they're dragging the rest of the album down. What are your thoughts on uh, At the End of the Rainbow, which kind of picks things back up as like the, the second half of this album starts? This is another another song I just love the way that it begins with like bass and drums and it's just like um, another 
another kind of galloping, marching kind of tempo. Um, but just another one of those songs, like to me, like this album has like kind of three types of songs. It has the, the fast, like the fast power, power metal song, the marching galloping power metal song like this, and then the two power ballads. So this kind of falls in that second category, but they do all three so well. Um, and this being no exception, this is another phenomenal song. And I remember it being thrown in on the, when they, uh, the following year, they would release a single where they, uh, did a cover of I want out, uh, with Kai Hansen doing, um, sharing the vocal duties. Um, they just threw this song on there <laughs> as a second track, probably because they thought, you know, um, highly of it. And they, they stuck it in between I want out and a, and a cover of man on the silver mountain. You want to talk about rarefied air? You got to have some guts to put 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 us put one of your songs in between those two. Uh, honestly, two of the most iconic metal or rock tracks ever. Truly, I mean, obviously on the power metal side with with I Want Out, and and I would say uh, Man on the Silver Mountain, maybe one of the most iconic rock tracks ever. Period. This this song is actually going to be my song of the week. The only song on the album which I think eclipses Dreamland for me is At the End uh, of the Rainbow. I love it. And it's something, I don't know if it's about that, that the pacing of it or, or the backing the backing vocals, which just provides such a nice accent um, to Kanza's lead vocals on, on this on this song. But I love it. And, and I'm going to make it my song of the week because if you haven't heard it, you have to do yourself a favor and give it a listen. Yeah, the chorus is awesome. This is a really awesome song. I mean, that it should come to no surprise. I'm going to gush about pretty much every song on this album, but this is another one that's really great and very well deserving of being your song of the week. Now, now we get to what I would say is probably the most interesting track on the album, and I'm really really curious to know when you realized it wasn't a Hammerfall track. And of course, I'm talking about back to back. Uh, you, I, I know you, and I know you didn't know who Pretty Maids was in 1998. Um, tell me a little bit about Back to Back and your thoughts on this track, because I, to this day, cannot believe that the song is on this album. I, so I, for the longest time, thought this was a Hammerfall song. Like, I think that it flows with the rest of this album in a way that, like, they had me fooled. Like, it didn't <laughs> sound out of place to me. Um in any sort of way, but um, sure enough, it's actually uh, a cover from um, Pretty Maid's first album, uh, Red Hot and Heavy, which came out in 1984 when we were the 
the ripe age of two. Um, <laughs> and so it wasn't until um, Pretty Maids were announced to play at the Prague Power USA Festival that I started really listening to Pretty Maids because I didn't know anything by Pretty Maids, obviously, because I didn't recognize this as one of their songs. Um, but it was when I was listening through the songs that they were playing live at the time. Um, and I'm like, Oh my God, how, how did I not know this? It just hit me like a ton of bricks. And, and now I go, I can go back to, to it and listen to the Hammerfall version. And, and to me, it's just as recognizable as the <laughs> original by the original band, uh, pretty maids. And I've since become a huge fan of, of pretty maids. And I, I look forward to talking about them in long form at some point, but, Definitely. um, like I said before, this song fits right in on this album. And I mean, like I said, had, had I not known, I would have just assumed it was a Hammerfall song all these years. I mean, how cool was it that when we actually got to see Pretty Maids live, they actually did a Hammerfall cover on stage when they played back to back. Kidding yeah, aside. I, mean, I never heard Hammerfall play it live, but I heard Pretty Maids. <laughs> it was, it was, I mean, how much fun was that to see though? It was just, it's such, such a good song. And that, Honestly, Pretty Maids might be one of the most underrated bands on the planet. That's how good they are, and that's a story for another day. They're uh, obviously a pleasure of both of ours. Stronger than all, and I mentioned this all earlier, most underrated track on the entire album. I love this song, and I think I forgot how much I love this song this time around. Yeah, this was another one that I always was a big fan of, just because it just it just hits you right over the head with how just how power metal it is. It's just like, you know, it starts right out with a, a heavy guitar riff and, and just, it's just an all business <laughs> power metal song. And, um, you know, it's classic, classic lyrics, like, you know, for that style, like it's just, um, I think it, it, again, like I said before, the, this and heating the call, I think really are the, the two songs that I think, um, really, uh, epitomize the the faster tracks uh, that hammerfall would do that really have um kind of i guess they kind of started it out with like the dragon lies bleeding from their first album but that kind of song where it just is fast and and just and just kicks your ass from start to finish yeah i completely agree i hear a lot of freedom call here on this track as well as i mentioned earlier I love how the first verse is just basically over drums and you don't really hear the guitars so much. And then the guitars kick back in later on in the track. I, I uh, really an underrated track. And I think that I, I wish that they would kind of incorporate songs like this back into their set list. I've never heard this song live. Um, but to me, it's just, it's just remarkable. And, you know, we talk a little bit about the, their touring. They've done a lot of U.S. shows. I don't know if you, uh, if, if everyone out there realizes it, they've, they've toured the U.S., fairly consistency going back to that tour with death in 1998 uh you're you're probably going to see them every two or three years here in the states which for a uh a swedish power metal band is pretty good pretty good yeah i i and i've never seen even like a a just a an okay hammerfall set like every time i've seen them they always bring it it's 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 a blast to see them live and i look forward to the whenever the next time will be and there will be a next time. I have I have little doubt. Um, I've got to see them probably about four or five times, and I've enjoyed it every single one. Uh, but let, let's go into the next track, which I have to admit, the next track is called Warriors of Faith. It's, it's the uh, penultimate track on the album. I completely forgot about this track. I, 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 I put it on, and I thought for a second that my that my 
my phone had skipped because I just don't, I <laughs> didn't remember this track. Not that it's bad, a little generic to me, I guess, but I guess it's, it must be forgettable because I completely forgot that this track existed. Now go ahead and tell me it's your song of the week. No, it's not. Right. I, I, but I think it just has the unfortunate, it's unfortunate placement because it, it's crammed in between like one of the stronger, like faster power metal songs. And then like the final song, which is a power ballad. So, um, I don't know. I don't think it's forgettable, but um, it's probably towards the bottom. It's probably in my bottom two with Let the Hammer Fall for this album. Um, it's a good song. Um, I don't dislike it, but... Um, a little generic, but I, like I said, for some reason, I, I know this album so well because, again, it's my go-to Hammerfall album, but this particular track... I just always forget that it's on there. And even this time around, I, it was almost like I was listening to it for the first time, even though I've played the entire album countless times. I don't know what's up. I just not, not for me, not my favorite track, but you know, like I said, certainly not bad by any means. Yeah. I think that the, um, the bridge is probably the strongest part of the song. Um, the chorus is, is, is just okay. And the verses are just okay. But, um, it, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a strong, it's a not a strong song, but it's a, it's a, it's a good song. Um, it, it again, reminds like, me a lot of their newer material, to be honest with you. Like if you listen to the last couple of albums, it would have been well placed on one of the newer albums, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I could totally see that. I mean, you can. There's definitely signs of what Hammerfall would become, or I mean, I don't think that they've changed that much for a band that's been around as as long as they have. Um, I also thought it was interesting that. Um, Jesper Stromblad um, has so many writing credits because I don't even think he was in the band proper anymore at that point. He was the um, he was their drummer um, prior to this, uh, but apparently he kind of stuck around as like a like a almost like a ghostwriter um, who would help write songs because him and uh, Oscar and Joachim are pretty much the majority songwriters on this album, almost completely, other than. You know Ken Hammer, <laughs> and <Randy laughs> Atkins. Um, uh, so I mean, I, I thought that was interesting because I'm like looking for him in the in the credits, and I'm like, what? He's not the drummer. I don't what, like what happened, but um, this must have. I mean, they must. He must have left just before uh, before they actually uh, either got in the studio or what have you, because he's 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 all over this album for sure. Um, and I'll tell you a quick Hammerfall story just while before we before we uh, move on to the final track. Um, before we move on to stronger, uh, sorry, uh, the fallen one. I remember when they played Prague Power. I remember it was early morning. It was like a Saturday morning. Uh, it had been a long, long night the night before. And I went to go get bagels at one of our favorite uh, haunting spots down there. And I remember seeing Hammerfall sitting there eating their bagels at like 8.30 in the morning on a Saturday. And there was just something so funny to me. Not that they wouldn't eat bagels, but here they were the night before. I think they had performed, or perhaps they were playing later that night. And if you've ever oh, seen Oh, they were them, playing lit that night. Oh, they was it that night? Because they, yeah, they closed the festival on Saturday. Well, let me... Then Camelot had, played on Friday night. Oh, good, good memory, sir. Good memory. I just think... I was thinking about the contrast of seeing them eat their bagels, and then, like, to your point, later that night... They'd be out there with their with their leather and their chaps and all whatever the hell they wear on stage and the spikes and all this stuff. And it was just the contrast between that and the everything bagel that was in front of them. But I'll say this. Nice, nice guys. And I think that Oscar John Jack is, is one of the most un, underrated uh, guitarists when it comes to just writing great riffs. He just writes such, some such uh, 
such, such catchy riffs that just kind of stick with you. It's 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 kind of a a lost art where everyone's kind of focusing on guitar solos. I have a I have such a regret of not talking to him at Einstein's while he was getting his bagel because I would come to find out years later that he's a diehard wrestling fan and um and he actually like traveled to the states I think with his son to see WrestleMania in California one year he told me this years later I met him prior to uh, a show that they uh, co-headlined with Delane in New York City um and oh my god what a super super nice guy yes. Um, and after I told him that, he actually uh, did the four horsemen hand signal in the photo <laughs> that we took later on. I was like, "This guy's great." Um, so that's my one regret was not um, talking talking wrestling with Oscar Dronjack over bagels and locks and, and, and Einstein's <laughs> in Atlanta, Georgia. So twelve hours only before, live once. Twelve hours yeah. before their show, no less. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, I guess I took a picture with all four members of Gamma Ray outside of a gyro shop. So I guess there's only <laughs> can only do so many uh, so many things. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the falling one with the fallen one, which, which is interesting to me because to have a ballad to close out the disc, you wouldn't expect that from this band, but they did it and it seemed to work for me. Yeah. Well, they did it on the first album with uh, glory to the brave. So True. I guess uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This is a really good song. Um, definitely the lyrics are sound like just like a, a, lo- a love song, like a broken hearted love song type of thing. I just think, um, the, I don't know who was doing the the piano because the band doesn't really have like a full fledged keyboard player, but uh, the piano part is really, really nice. Like it's just a really nice song, and um, I love "Remember Yesterday," but I think the song is really, really good as well as far as um, a power ballad. And it, you know, the beginning of it is just uh, Jokum and the piano, and then the guitars come in and. It's uh, I thought it was really really well done. I mean, like I said before, putting two power ballads on an album with only ten tracks, you might leave somebody wishing there was maybe one less. But I don't feel like that's the case here. I think that the album is really well balanced, and um, and I think this is a nice way to kind of wrap things up. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And one of the things that I think I like the most about this particular track is how it starts with like the vocals, kind of just the vocals and the keyboards in the first verse. It picks up with all the other instruments about midway through and then kind of goes back down almost like a, like a, <laughs> like a bell curve where it's again back to vocals and keys to end the song. So I just, it, not the best song I would say, but the way it's constructed, I thought was brilliant. And I really is just a nice way to end the album. Um, but I haven't heard your track of the week, so I'm very, very curious to hear um, what you think uh, is is worthy of your particular track of the week. Um, oh, this was this was a tough call for me because there's so many there's so many songs I like so much, um, and it really came down to um, for me, it came down to heeding the call, legacy of kings, and stronger than all. Um, and then I think I like narrowed out stronger than all. And it was down to the first two tracks, Heating the Call versus uh, Legacy of Kings. And, and I'm going to edge with the edge. I'm going to give it to Heating the Call, the opening track. I just um, I just feel like it gets the edge because not only is the beginning of the song the beginning of an iconic Hammerfall song, but it's also the beginning of my favorite Hammerfall album. And I think that makes it the slightest bit more memorable for me.
I'm going to go with Heating the Call, which um, actually ended up getting a, um, I don't, I wouldn't call it a single. It's more of an EP they, they released where it has the studio version of this along with uh, a handful of live tracks, um, which for a band that had only released two studio albums, it was kind of cool that there was some, you know, professionally recorded, uh, you know, live audio. So um, that was kind of neat. Um so yeah, um, Heating the Call is uh, my song of the week. It's a great choice, and especially because, as we were saying, it's our first introduction to the band, not on disc, but at, but at that Halloween show. So I think it's a perfect track. Uh, obviously, high praise from us. I, I mean, but and we'll get to our rankings in a second. But just to put it in perspective, Metal Hammer Magazine said it was the ninth best power metal album of all time. So that's lofty praise from another source as well. Scale of 1 to 10, what are you giving this? Um, I give it a 9.25. Um, it's maybe, maybe, maybe I could have, could have gone for maybe like one or two more songs. It's a little bit on the shorter side, but, um, I mean, I don't know that uh, there's two songs that I think are just okay. So it's not perfect, but, um, overall, I mean, it's, it's pretty damn close. So that's, I, I, I would, I would comfortably give it a 9.25. It's, it's a nine for me as well. And by far their best album. Uh, I don't think that's even close. Another thing I think we should add, the production on this album was fantastic. And, and what was interesting is it sounds better than all the stuff that came after it. And I don't quite understand why, because if they were able to get this crystal clear sound in 1998 i'm not sure why the albums that followed didn't have quite the same production but here we are it's a nine for me and um just a really good trip down memory lane as i hadn't heard the album in a long time uh so i popped on my uh my airpods and i was really impressed with how how the 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 how just how crisp and how really strong the production is um for, and and it's kind of funny i feel like we've been bringing up production values a lot the last few episodes because we had mentioned uh you know with russia's 2112 last week and um the week before that an older amorphous album and um you know th- this album for being their second album i mean um glory to the brave the production's not quite as strong in my opinion i think they they really hit a home run sound wise this album sounds really good so i'm glad you brought that up and and out of curiosity i had to pull up this this list from metal hammer of the the top 25 power metal albums and um the list i'm looking at here shows legacy of kings at nine but this is in the company of uh dragon forces valley of the damned which we've talked about is at number 10 um sabotage hall the mountain king stradivarius is destiny manila roads open the gates Gamma Rays, Land of the Free, Mana Wars, Hail to England, Blind Guardians, Imaginations from the Other Side, which is, uh, did, did we do that one as well? We did, right? Yeah, is we that did, Blind actually. Guardian album? Yep. And yep. then uh, Rhapsody's Dawn of Victory and Halloween's Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 2. So it's in pretty rarefied air. And, uh, I mean, 
well deserved, I'd say. Uh, no, no question about that. I mean, we could we could go back and forth as to the albums that might be missing from this list. I'll just say "Return to Heaven" denied by Labyrinth comes to mind, but it's it's interesting to me that um, they would rank it alongside some of these titans of the genre. And I, you know, listen, they're they're still they're still kicking around and and, and releasing new stuff today. So uh, more power to them. I look forward to seeing them live on their next tour. Um, but as we put a bow on Hammerfall's um, Legacy of Kings. It's my turn to pick something, and I, and it's funny because you gave me a choice last week, and you had you had mentioned Royal Hunt's Paradox, which I thought was great, and it's something that's been requested, so I have no doubt we'll get to that. The other album you mentioned was Sonata Artica's debut, Ecliptica, and I thought that was interesting because this was a band that you absolutely turned all of us onto when it came out um, back in the in the late nineties. I want to do that one, so thank you for giving me the choice. I'll take, uh, I'll do, I'll do, uh, I'll do a double shot, if you will. I'll do legacy. I'll do legacy of kings this week, and I'm gonna jump in and kind of usurp your choice. I want to do, I want to do Sonar Art the next week. Sounds good to me. I, I, that's, I, I was, I didn't really have like a, a one that I was hoping you would pick when I gave you the options last week, but um, I mean, I'm glad that we're gonna get to talk about all three at some point but two of the three in succession uh no pun intended <laughs> um, i'm looking forward uh, very much uh to getting back into i mean um i've already kind of started listening to some of sonata Artica's older stuff and going down that rabbit hole so now i have a whole nother week to get even further deep in there but i, I definitely have a lot to say about um the the older um era of sonata Artica. And the newer era. I'm sure it'll come up. It'll just be a little bit of a different conversation, but it'll be nice to, uh, to kind of do a different side of power metal because it's, it's, it's certainly in the same ballpark, but it's a different side of the field, if you will. Yeah. I mean, when I first heard this album, it was on like, I mean, not that I had a ton of credits of stuff I was familiar with, but I mean, it, it blew me away with its uniqueness. So, um, I, I, I will definitely have some anecdotes and, and things to to reminisce upon um, when discussing that album. So I'm glad that you've chosen that as uh, our next our next uh, discussion. I look forward to it myself. Uh, we'll come back to you in early August with uh, another request that we uh, have lined up. We're looking forward to that as well. And then we'll plow ahead and through the month of August. So if you like what you hear, please give us a positive review. It helps other people find the show. We know you're out there, so thank you for listening. And uh, we'll come back to you next week with Sonata Artica's debut, Ecliptica. Have a good week, bud. I'll talk to you soon. You too. Take care. <laughs>